Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we're joined by the Batwing project team to learn how they responded to an urgent fleet need in record time. Joining us today are Dr. Dino Menza, an electronics engineer for the electronic warfare team at NOCWD, Mr. Roger Fulton, head of the advanced technology branch at NOCWD, and Captain Michael Orr, Program Manager for PMA-234 Airborne Electronic Attack Aircraft. Thank you all for joining us. Sir, before we talk speed, let's start at the beginning. What was the original fleet requirement? The original requirement was ALQ-99 has been around since 1971. We need to constantly maintain its relevancy against our adversaries. And so we're looking at all parts of it, NGJ, Next Generation Jammer, being the major program that's starting to uh, replace ALQ-99. Where are there other efforts that we can um, attack to get us a uh, big bang for the buck? And so uh, that's kind of the origin of how we uh, started to look at Batwing. So what was the significance of this capability to the fleet? Significance is that when you look at uh, electronic warfare and jamming, it, there's a lot of key elements that go into that. Frequency ranges, how much power you can put out, uh, what kind of techniques can you do. And um, ALQ-99 has its, it's, it's still cutting edge. I mean, it's still the mainstay of our force. However, technologies that were available in 1971 and technologies today are, are, have rapidly changed. So the biggest thing that Batwing gave an opportunity to do was for a very economical investment, be able to improve the power that the uh, ALQ-99 can produce specifically by uh, focusing that power in a more uh, uh, general direction. Why is speed so important in today's operational environment? Nowadays, um, as a national defense strategy calls out, we have multiple competitors out there, multiple peer nations, and they are moving a lot faster than we are. And I think it's primarily two main reasons. You look at national priorities, they may have the ability to focus specifically on defense, where we have a lot of other competing priorities. And second of all, quite honestly, I think, uh, from my perspective, is risk tolerance. For us, risk is a very big thing. So I think those two things alone gives them the, the advantage over us in speed. That's what slows us down, and that's why we have to go faster to be able to do that. Well, um, this is Roger. I think it's pretty obvious to say that the, the threat is changing very fast, and it's difficult, more difficult today to keep up with things because there's, the technology's moving quickly, but there's also just a threat of our adversaries uh, gaining knowledge quicker and what it is that we do. Yeah, and I'd like to add that um, with multiple active conflicts, there's just there's just a lot to keep track of out there, a lot to ensure freedom of the waterways, and and uh, so we're we're looking at speed as a, as an imperative. It's not a, really a benefit; it's really uh, required to do the job. And Captain Orr, when it comes to speed, how does that benefit the warfighter? The benefit to the warfighter is that when they get new capability or an improvement, it's actually not outdated the day they get it. Um, and that's, that's really the challenge when we go through our acquisition cycles. The fleet is on the, you know, the tip of the spear. They know exactly what they need to fight. So now let's talk about how the idea for Batwing was born and then how it evolved into a partnership between 234 and WD. So it was originally born in, in 2011 as a demonstration uh, project. I think what uh, brought Batwing into the uh, into the limelight was a perfect combination of the current atmosphere. And starting from Secretary Gertz and the CNO, go fast. Go fast, but do it smartly. Look at your portfolios, look at where you can make economical investments to get big bang for the buck. And you combine that with 
the efforts um, from Admiral Corey out at NOCWD and a lot of these folks that, that worked for him out there and outside of the box thinking too. So let's look at what are some things we can get quick wins. And so the speed to fleet, the mandate to look at your portfolios, economic investment, I think all came together to make Batwing be able to thrive in an environment it wouldn't necessarily have been uh, thrived prior. And that, that's really how I think uh, to, to some level this little effort became kind of the pointy nose spear to try to break down a couple barriers because as important as it was to get the capability of the fleet of equal importance was to test the nav air and the acquisition process. You know, as we, we collected more data on this antenna as part of the uh, verification of the performance of a chamber that was uh, built out here at NOCWD, and, and that, that got our attention, like, hey, wait a second, yeah, remember that thing? It, it actually has a significant performance improvement. We uh, started talking to our IPTs locally here, uh, Airborne Electronic Attack IPT, and, uh, and traditionally NOCWD and PMA234 have been partners, so it was natural that we would uh, look to share this information with, uh, with PMA234. Who was interested at the time? And that's where it, it kind of took off from there. So how, how I heard about it uh, in 5.3 was from one of my senior engineers, uh, Steve Ringa, who approached me. We just recently purchased a 3D printer that was going to allow us to print in a different material. And he approached me nearly a week after we got the machine and said, hey, I'd like to uh, talk to you about doing some, um, uh, some project work for this uh, four or five projects. That was the first I'd heard about it. And this was um, in uh, early uh, 18. So um, sometime January, February timeframe of 18. From there, it sounded like it had gone through some type of prototype testing and results were, um, were favorable and it was getting lots of momentum. And from there, I imagine things moved pretty quickly. So how long would it have taken had you gone the more traditional approach? I think the original plan after uh, the demonstration, there was kind of a plan put together that would say it would take about 24 months. And, and to put that in context, realize what Batwing is. We're talking about a 3D printed piece of plastic, right, that goes on the inside of a pod. I think the original plan was for 24 months to IOC, and it ended up doing it in four. Wow, so for the Batwing team, not only did you meet this challenge requirement, you delivered ahead of schedule. Roger, how did you manage to pull this off? It seemed a little overwhelming at first, but just just talking to the guys that do the work. You know, I, I wasn't surprised one bit actually reflecting on this that these guys were capable of doing it. So there was a 24-7 runtime on the, the 3D printer, and we actually ended up procuring another printer to augment that to meet the, to meet the deadlines. That's really incredible for such a small team. Dino, do you have anything to add? How did I meet this challenging requirement? The, the answer is Admiral Corey. He was very much championing this effort from the very beginning as a speed to fleet exemplar uh, that was under the uh, Nav Air Commander's intent. Between the research and engineering codes and the test and evaluation codes, there was an incredible collaboration and a we've got to do this attitude that was uh, really inspiring. What made this effort unique from traditional approaches? But more importantly, what enabled you to stray from the set acquisition course and navigate the process more quickly? Well, touched a little bit on, the, on the, the technology of the additive manufacturing, which allows you to quickly iterate design. So if there's you know, a lack of performance or some type of production flaw, there's opportunity to very quickly change the design and then refabricate re, uh, units. So that was one thing. And then secondly, 
I, I think just that the people, the small agile team of technical experts that um, with the experience they have enable them to basically just take, take, the, take charge of it and uh, work things out, work a schedule out, collaborate with one another, consult the expertise they needed, but keeping it, keeping it simple. And for my part, I would say, uh, again, looking at that, that interim flight that we had to do, that sort of milestone to prove the concept, getting a flight clearance uh, on very, very short notice required cooperation, collaboration, overcoming a lot of angst uh, about risk in a very short time period. And we were able to, uh, to get that done on very short notice, which is not normal. Normally, uh, I think uh, our tenancy, or I'll, let me speak for myself, my tenancy would be to kind of let things play out, ask for permission, wait for an answer, get all the stakeholders involved, take your time, make sure we do it right. This time we had to make sure we did it right, but could not sit around and wait for answers, but had to drive to get those answers quickly and get that thing flown. Captain Orr, from your perspective, what do you think were the critical success factors for this effort? Three things. Um, that goes to, number one, I mentioned a little bit before, the environment. We have the CNO, we have the secretary, and we have our leadership saying, go fast, smart. So the environment allowed for that to happen. Uh, second is you have a, a small group of motivated people that basically said, we're going to go do this. And you had the leadership to support them to go do it. And the third becomes the empowerment part you guys go make this happen and let us know when you run into barriers. If it can't be moved very quickly, elevate, elevate as fast as you can and leadership will roll in and make it happen. And so you take those three things, the environment, motivated people, and empowerment, and that, that's the recipe for success. Considering that recipe for success that you just described, what advice would you give to other program managers on how to increase the speed of acquisition and field new capabilities? I think there's two things. Number one is, I think in general we have, especially in this environment, we have more authority than we exercise, especially as a program manager. And the second thing is, which I've always felt on the acquisition side, and it happens a lot, you have to go into it with the attitude of never taking no for an answer from somebody that can't say yes. You have to understand that the acquisition process is a guideline, and there's a difference between you know statutes regulations, policy, et cetera. So you have to know where the, the, the statutes are. We tend to treat everything like statutes. And so one of the key things is, is when somebody says, you can't do this because, well, you say, well, go show me where it says, by law, I cannot. And that usually stops the conversation because it usually can't be traced there. I think in this case, the team looked at, you know, from a flight clearance process, what's absolutely necessary? You know, part of this, again, also helps with the timing. The timing of it is right when we're trying to challenge the acquisition process of flight clearances and authorities. When you're trying to get these things through, it's, it's making sure that people are using their subject matter expert, expertise in the area that they, they're aware of, but also keeping the big picture in mind. And uh, we went through a couple of different iterations where somebody just finally said, this is, this is enough, we don't need it, let's move on. And they were willing to elevate it. And uh, so um, I think on one of these, it got to my level and we're ready to push the button and then suddenly it starts to uh, work itself out. So looking back, what advice would you give to other teams in terms of how to increase the acquisition and field new capabilities? From my perspective, basically getting the people that are working the project to connect with the warfighter that they're supporting and how this will make a difference in their activities, in their operations is also very important. I think everybody on this team knew what 
the before and after was going to look like with the fielding of the Batwing antenna, and so that was tremendously motivating to the personnel. What do you say were your biggest lessons learned? I'd like to just add that one of the things that is real obvious here and hasn't been mentioned yet is the lack of contracting. This was an organic, an organic effort. The only thing that we contracted for was basically just small procurements for materials so that we could fabricate the items. And we looked for opportunity organically from within our own organization and saw the requirement for how quickly this needed to get done and found the only way to get that done was going to be to uh, do it with the people that we had here and could basically meet the schedule through putting in the hours that were necessary. So for me, it's uh, you can't go it alone. Well, you can, but you won't be nearly as effective. I would have presented a very unflyable prototype to the to the fleet had it not been for you know Rogers and his team's expertise in, in manufacturing. So that partnering and that teaming was probably more critically evident to me on this project than any other that I've I've worked at the Warfare Center. Definitely had to step outside of my comfort zone. What did it mean to you to see all this come together so quickly? Well, it means a couple things for me. My career was as a Prowler pilot, so the VAQ community is near and dear to my heart. So I've flown with these pods in combat, and I understand their limitations. To not only see this done and then actually go and have an opportunity to see it being used in exercises and get the direct feedback on the ground while it was happening, that's pretty impressive to know that the, the team that you just happened to be in charge of at the time came up with that. The second thing is from an acquisition process, it's very interesting when you sit and say, you know what, I'm going to build a PowerPoint chart that shows that we're going to IOC something four months from now when we haven't even started, and everybody chuckles and laughs and you don't even believe it either, and then it actually gets done. You start to ask the question, why can't we do this with everything else? Obviously a piece of plastic, not to demean it, but it is a piece of plastic in a paw that, that produces a very important capability that's not necessarily as critical as a flight control system. but. Uh, it's not necessarily the product, it's the frame of mind. It meant a lot to me, uh, but as I said earlier, I wasn't surprised. I'm speaking for the fabrication part of this. This team is just again and again, continues to amaze me with the challenges they're given and their ability to amongst, them, amongst themselves really uh, look at a problem and understand the different subject matter expertise that's gonna be required and come up with a plan for supporting it while continuing to support other projects means a lot to me as well. Uh, I think the uh, a highlight for me was just the opportunity to sit with the uh, a flight crew out at the uh, Top Gun uh, Air Warfare Development Center at, at Fallon and hear it affirmed from tactics instructors that this Batwing antenna makes a real tangible difference and they're, they're excited about it and they're excited about all the havoc that it's creating out there on the ranges for folks uh, for the red team. In most of our daily activities, we have many other stakeholders and things do have to come to a consensus. But it is a good question to ask myself, I think, what am I doing daily that is not urgent? I need to ask myself that and to, and to figure out where I'm putting my priorities. So it's been tremendously meaningful to me and I reflect on, on these lessons learned quite a bit. Uh, Ms. Johnson, our executive director, asks us these same questions when she put out the warfighter imperatives and, and talks about the NOCWD strategy. And so Batwing has become this this meaningful example of what she's talking about and, and uh, a way to frame those questions. I thank you all for joining us today and for sharing about Batwing. It truly is a great example of how teamwork, innovation, and out-of-the-box thinking results in speed to the fleet. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.